Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. This week, it's all about the kids. We talk about the main reason we are teachers and the one thing that keeps us, most of us, in an underpaid, often disrespected job. The students, the kids. It's all about the kids. We are here for them. Our job is to reach them, care for them for six hours and 20 minutes or 380 minutes a day, five days a week. We know as teachers, we wear many, many hats. We do this because, especially as a public school teacher in a diverse city, our students have needs, very different needs. They're all over the place. They're across the board. They need structure, freedom, food, love, care, encouragement, firmness, discipline, confidence boosts, clothes, mentors, just to name a few. The way that we view our students makes a huge difference in the way that we treat them. Even if we say it doesn't, we all know that we have implicit biases. We have things that are going on within us that really do help us treat them differently. The more we understand them, the more we get to know them really changes our approaches. So really, the way we view them truly, truly matters. Of course, we can work through things. You know, a child that has a challenging behavior, just because it's a challenging child doesn't mean that you don't like the child. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something a little bit deeper. You know, this is why the beginning of the year is tough because when you don't know the kids, you can't always give them exactly what they need yet. You're using blanket techniques and then once you really get down and build those relationships and connections, you really get to know who they are and you really, really learn how to help them and push them forward. How we view the child, it's the key to acknowledging everything about the student the positives and the negatives, but we must stick with the positives. It's also really dangerous territory to view a child as needing to be fixed. Not all of our kids need to be fixed. In fact, none of them need to be fixed. Whoever they are is perfect. We just need to help them thrive within a school community. Especially for young learners, we are really teaching them a lot of the social constructs that happen within human-to-human connection. And we really are teaching them a lot about relationships and connections, social emotional learning, and sort of just teaching them how to be human. We do touch on school subjects, of course, but we really focus on the human aspect and then we integrate the academics in because if they have the human aspect, they have those foundations, they will thrive on the academic. Strength-based teaching can really make all the difference and what a child learns and how we teach. We're really coming at it that this child is really, really good at this. Maybe they need to work on this. Let's focus on teaching them what they need to learn through what they're really good at. For example, I have a child who is very active and just really hands-on. This child loves to just get down and dirty, build, make, construct, design. This child doesn't love to draw doesn't love to sit down and do a morning meeting. The child does it. 
The child cooperates and follows along with the rest of the social constructs of the classroom. But I know if I really want to get that child learning and dig deep, it's going to be through block building, hands-on materials, decomposing shapes with other shapes, you know, using alphabet uh, magnets to maybe spell the child's name and things like that. Because I know this about the child and I know what this child is strong at, I know how I can teach them the things that we need to teach them. My claim to being an open-ended teacher is being very, very child-focused and child-led. I have zero ego in my classroom. Almost to my detriment, I am always focused on the students. Anything presented to me is followed up by the following questions. How can I make this about the kids? And how can my kids take this and learn from it and drive it into their own ideas? I challenge you to think about how you view the children in your classroom. You know, this is one of those things where you like you think you might have a handle on it, but the deeper that you go, you're like, oh no, maybe that this was getting in the way of the way I was thinking about this child. Or maybe I did this because I wasn't thinking about this. It's one of those things that I think you should check in on often. Definitely stop, ask yourself a question like, hey, why did this go this way? Maybe it happened because I did this, or maybe it happened because this child did this, or because our connection in that moment wasn't great, or it was really awesome. So checking in on how you view your kids is something that I really, really suggest that you do at least quarterly every time you do report cards, something like that. When you're checking in on your children and how you view them, I want you to think about a couple questions. Are your kids just so cute? Do you just love them so much? They're so cute and some kids are so cute they just get away with anything. And maybe you don't even realize that you're doing that, but it might be happening. Do you feel like they are an empty vessel to be filled? You know, they have no knowledge. You have to fill them up with all the knowledge. Are you thinking about them developmentally? You know, have they hit certain milestones or do you know which way they're going or they're thinking about how they're drawing and then where they're going to go next? Or are you thinking about them biologically? Same kind of thing, thinking about it a little bit developmentally and what's going on in their brains and in their bodies. You know, are you viewing them as innocent? Or the opposite, are you viewing them as not innocent and knowing too much and throwing too much at you? So The next question for you is, do you view them as capable? I really want you to make sure that you're viewing your children all around as capable. Even if they have some deficits or they have some things that they still have to work on, does not mean that they're not capable. Having awareness and understanding of how you view your children can help you understand your teaching more. You know, something like, How does your teaching and environment reflect your view of the children? It will help you connect and change the relationships within your classroom. I promise. Speaking of relationships, we all know that this is the key to making the classroom all about the kids. I know that I see my kids biologically and developmentally as well as very capable. This is something that I have been working on for a really, really long time. I've been asking myself these questions for years. This is something that was taught to me very early on in my career, and so it's something that I've always focused on. You know, up until the point that I was taught this, it kind of blew my mind when I did, because I was like, holy moly, I'm not in it for the kids. I was in it for me. I was thinking about all of the things that I had on my to-do list, 
all of the things that I had going on and how I had to get it all done. And I didn't realize how much that was affecting the children. And once I kind of turned that around and started focusing on the children, I was kind of like, oh, how can I make my to-do list happen through what I'm doing in the classroom? I kind of flipped the switch a little bit. And so following my 90-10 rule really reflects on this. So I look around my room, 90% of the room is child accessible. 90% of the learning is done during the day, driven by the children. 90% of the decor is the kids. 90% of the day is led by the kids. You know, there's 10%. There's room for you. Out of 380 minutes, that's like 30 to 40 minutes a day led by you. And that's plenty, especially in an early childhood setting. I understand that once you start to creep up into kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that this time might expand. But I really challenge you to try to find ways to incorporate the things that you're teaching the children into play and playful interactions. This way you can start pushing that number on child-led to make it a little bit bigger. Of course, there's transition times. There's other bits of time that, you know, like lunch and things like that. Those don't really count into it. I am looking at the whole day, but really, you know, you can't count recess or you can't, or I mean, you can't count recess because that's a time when they are doing whatever they want. They're having free play. They're getting their bodies moving. But, you know, things like lunch, things like transition time, things like even specials, I'm not really counting those into like child-led or teacher-led times because those are not under my control necessarily. The things that are under my control, I am trying to balance into a 90-10 ratio. Other ways that we can make it all about the kids in the classroom and really help them understand that they are capable and show that we believe in their capabilities is by lots and lots of choice. If school is about the kids and we're there for the kids, why wouldn't we let the kids have more say in what they're learning? This is just one really quick way that you can make it about the kids. Even if it's something that you have to do, like you have to do a baby study. Well, ask them what they want to learn about babies. Ask them what they know about babies. You know, ask them if you want to do babies and like family. There's ways of incorporating babies into the ways that the children want to learn about it. It doesn't mean they all have to do the same project. It doesn't mean that they all have to do the same activities. This is where you can offer tons and tons and tons of choice if you can't offer them their own choice of what they want to study. You know, other ways of offering choices is to take a vote. You know, we often vote on what we're going to study because the children show me so many different things that I'll put up all of the ideas that I'm hearing and then I'll have the children narrow it down. This way, they understand that they had a say, even if they didn't get their favorite, they had a say in what's happening in the classroom and what they're learning. Other things are, like I said before, just asking them, hey, what do you want to learn today? Or what do you want to do? I really don't choose anything for the children unless it's something that they've asked for or they've asked for information about like sailboats. So then I'll pick some information about sailboats and see if it goes in the direction that the child was looking for. Other ways of adding choices and making it about the kids is meetings and talks. Just having these meetings and letting the kids drive the meetings. My morning meeting starts out in the beginning of the year led by me, but as the day, as the year goes on, it's piece by piece by piece led by the children. And from day one, I always have the children, 
you know, participating, repeating, singing along, or choosing the greeting we're going to do, or choosing how they want to do things. So no matter what, I am always giving them a choice, even when it's something that's routine and that I am leading. Questions, process-driven language. These are all the best ways to figure out what's going on in a child's head, really drive their input into what's going on, and to give them more choices. The more you talk to them, the more you're going to get to know them and build that relationship, and the more that they are going to want to give back to you, and the more that they are going to feel capable. So really, understanding how you see the kids and the relationship that you have with your kids and the way that you're setting up the classroom is going to help the children understand where their place is in the classroom. I understand that in traditional teaching, oftentimes we're doing things from a teacher standpoint. But I guarantee if you just flip that switch and just do it from a child's standpoint, a lot of different things are going to start snowballing from there. You're going to get a lot more engagement because kids are learning what they want to learn. You're going to find a lot less stress because you don't have to come up with a million ideas. All you have to do is take their one idea, see which direction they were going with it, and try to push it forward. Maybe come up with one or two next steps And the best part about learning with the kids and learning what they want to learn is that you're doing it with them. I didn't know a lot about big cats. I know that they were tigers and lions and things like that. But when my kids really wanted to study them, we dove into this study together. I did a lot of research. We researched together. I was, you know, we were looking at things up on Google. I was reading it to them. If it answered their question, they would say yes. If it didn't, we would do some more research. So right there, I was modeling research for them. And I was taking their idea and making it come to life. So not only was I teaching them how to do that, I was honoring them in that way. And that's another thing I would love to talk about. Honoring the children. There's a lot of small ways that you can honor a child. We do show and shares, and that's so that everybody can bring in a home toy, and then that way they can play with that home toy in the afternoon, and the children kind of get to make this homeschool connection. They get to be in charge of something, and we honor their choices, and we honor their items, and we honor their words through this show and share. Other ways to honor the children are if somebody's still working on something, give them a little bit more time. Say, hey, I know it's cleanup. You can have two more minutes. Here's a timer. I'm going to set it for you. When this is over, I really need you to stop because then we're moving on to lunch, right? And if you're in a situation where you don't have to move on that quickly, just give them more space and time. That really honors where they're at in their play or in their activity. Other little things that you can do to honor children is just Letting them decide if they want to wear their hat and gloves, you know, letting them take off their coat, letting them carry things, letting them choose their jobs. Again, it really rolls back to choice. I understand there's a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different things coming down from admin and parents and things like that that don't always make these things possible. But these are just little jumping off points that you can rethink maybe if you're struggling with getting your children to build your relationship or you're struggling with just offering children more choice and honoring them in general. I touched on language a tiny bit, but something I love to just say to the children in any moment is what do you need? Or I'll say, what do you need from Melissa? I do this in lots of different situations. 
I'm trying to teach them how to ask for things and to be really specific about what they need, especially with little kids. I absolutely love in the beginning of the year when they walk up to you and like hand you their garbage. And I just stand there and I go, what do you need from me? And then they say, oh, I need to throw this away. And then I show them how. Or something like getting their shoe tied. They walk up to me and they say, oh, my shoe's untied. And they go, I'm sorry it's untied. What do you need from me? And then they usually turn around and say, oh, can you tie my shoe? Another way is when somebody's sad or upset, you say, what do you need from me? Just giving them that little bit of honor to say what they need because they don't always want a hug. They don't always need an ice pack. Maybe they just need to know that you were there for them. And sometimes that's enough. I also really like to use affirmations for the children, letting them know that they are capable. From day one, I let the children know that this is our classroom and that it's actually their classroom and I am here to help them, support them, and keep them safe. We use a lot of affirmations like I am a problem solver, I am a bucket filler because we use we use that philosophy in our classroom. Also things like my voice matters and I am capable or I can do it. Just incorporating these little things and saying, oh, you can do it. Show me how, or you can do it, I know you can. We also often say, if you can do it once, you can do it again, and we believe in the power of yet. I feel like all of this process language really helps the children understand that they have ownership. There's so many places in a child's life where they have zero ownership, and I just see them crying out behaviorally, for some ownership or for something that they can control. And when they're in school for six hours and 20 minutes a day and then they go to after school or they go home and they have somebody telling them what to do or they're being shuttled to another class or all of the different things, why wouldn't we give them some more space or as much space as we possibly can within the classroom? This, I guarantee, is going to get you a lot more engagement and honestly, it's going to drop a lot of the behaviors. So many behaviors I had found previously in some of my teaching were from transitions and things when the children didn't want to move on or they didn't want to clean up or they just weren't ready. And as soon as I opened up the space to a lot more choice and a lot more openness towards the children and letting them have a say, I really started to see a lot of those challenging behaviors really drop. We just deal with a lot of behaviors like typical miscommunication, somebody possibly hitting somebody because they're upset, or just learning how to navigate big feelings. We don't deal with a lot of the transition issues or the routine issues because we teach them from the beginning and the children know that they have space and time to complete everything. Unless we're really, really in a bind, then I'm like, hey, we got to go. Can I help you? And even then, we're honoring them by asking. And if it really comes down to it, We have a couple of teachers in the room, which really allows uh, us to give them some more space and time. We also ask the children to help each other because then they feel capable within each other. They know that they can be helpful. They know that they can contribute to their class. They know that they can be seen as helpful by a friend. There's just so many ways to honor children and so many ways to help them see themselves as capable that it's a really easy thing to do. Sometimes all you really have to do is just be aware of it and think about how you are thinking about the children. Think about how you are talking to the children. And even 
I have to say, I thought I had this all down. I was like, oh, I'm good at this. I am honoring the children. I'm doing this. But the deeper I think about it, the more and more and more I peel back the layers of the onion, I realize that, hey, I was honoring the children, but I could do a little bit better. You know, I got really deep with my thinking about it. I'm like, oh, but wait, I gave them the pencil. I should have let them pick the pencil. Or I said, hey, let's go do this. Or I really didn't give them a choice in a moment that I thought I was giving them. Or, you know, I planned to, but then it just didn't work out that way. And usually when I think back and reflect on those things, I realize that, hey, you know what? It wasn't perfect in that moment, but we can always try again tomorrow, which is something we also say to the children. And that's what I've been doing. I try again tomorrow. And then it's developed into this beautiful, open-ended, process-driven, project-based, child-led, play-based philosophy of teaching that I'm sharing with you. And I just... I love what I'm getting out of my children every year, which is why I've started sharing all of these things with you. Do I think I'm the best ever? No way. Do I still have lots to learn? Absolutely. But do I love to take it in and dig deeper and practice my practice and uh, learn more about my style? Absolutely. I have found such a difference in my teaching and such a difference in my children in the classroom that... It really made me passionate about this style of teaching and sharing it with others because it's really not difficult. And in the end, it's a little bit more developmentally appropriate because it's about the children. You know, not that traditional teaching is not because really we're teachers to take care of children. We're here to teach them. We're here to teach the leader, future leaders of tomorrow. But we can't be great teachers unless we're always digging deeper. And this is my challenge to you this week is to really think about how you view the children, how your teaching is reflecting that and seeing how maybe you can make teeny tiny little tweaks on just honoring the children just a tiny bit more. So thanks for listening this week. There's a lot of big things happening at Pre-K Spot this month. So I really hope that you are subscribed to our newsletter so that you can keep up with everything that's going on. This podcast was the first video podcast that I recorded, so you can check it out on YouTube also, or if you have a friend who prefers video over audio, send them this link. Be sure to follow me on Instagram for lots more ideas and details about open-ended teaching and what's going on in my classroom. See you next week.